0: Uh, thankful for you being here uh, feel free to connect in the back we have uh, at the end of the service we have a connection uh, uh, center in the back there outside in the lobby and so again uh, i'm so thankful to be here and, and worship with you my name is israel martinez and i serve as the lead pastor here at redeemer church irving and church family, I love you, and I'm super duper, can I say super duper, encouraged to to, to just be able to do life with you and live. Uh, life with you in, uh, in this gospel partnership that we have been talking about in Philippians. I'm going to keep saying it over and over because it's what Paul is uh, pointing to and alluding to. And so today we celebrate and we're celebrating Church Planting Sunday. So we are part of the Acts 29 network and they have asked us to uh, participate in that. And so we celebrate church planting because we started as a church plant and the Lord continues to strengthen and establish us as a church. And so in our text today, we will look at some of the life and story of Timothy, who was a church planting pastor. And so Timothy was sent out and helped Paul, the Apostle Paul, lead and plant many churches, and then eventually was led to pastor in a church in Ephesus. And so I'm super uh, duper again, super thankful that we get to worship as we learn from the book of Philippians today in chapter 2, 19 through 24. So if you have a Bible, um, we preach the word here, and we want our eyes and ears as much as possible. Um, uh, pointed to the text. So if you have a Bible, you can turn on your device or open your physical Bible, but we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24, and I encourage you to just have your eyes in the text and follow and see this, this, this story of this, this guy, Timothy, and how we learn from his gospel partnership. And so what we're going to look at today um, and learn Um, is that the church today can have true hope. Paul's gonna say that word twice, but the church today can have true hope in Jesus and be encouraged to learn from Timothy's life of gospel service, which shows us that true gospel partnership produces gospel service. And so that's what we are learning today. And remember, we've been uh, learning a lot in the book of Philippians, but specifically this idea that gospel partnership produces unity in the faith. And so Paul has said, again, this amazing phrase, one of my favorite phrases, to to live is Christ and to die is gain. I think it summarizes the whole uh, Bible as far as our purpose. And he said, and he's told the believers there at Philippi that they will suffer uh, and be engaged in conflict. And Paul wants the church in Philippi to be encouraged on this foundation of gospel unity in spite, again, of this conflict and suffering that they will face. That is inevitable for the believer. You will face conflict and suffering. But it's what do we do with that? And how do we partner together to live in that and through that? And so the apostle Paul has been using this word partnership, which in the, in the Greek can be translated, if you have any experience in church, koinonia, uh, fellowship, community. A really good translation is just, is just partnership. Or uh, what, what, what we like to say here, really the, the deeper understanding is this joint partnership that we are going to war together. We come from different places, but we are in this thing together. And so based on on scripture, we have defined biblical partnerships saying that true partnership in the church is an active partnership in the gospel. Um, And so it's this close relationship of mutual benefit, uh, promoting the gospel through cooperation, sympathy, suffering, financial giving, uh, active labor, prayer and love. And so this is, again, one of the biggest themes that we see in Philippians. And Paul has these, really these three big themes of partnership, encouragement, and then change in people. And so we've learned that a good summary for the whole book of Philippians is that Paul encourages gospel partnership in the church that will advance or progress the gospel as it changes people and expands to all nations. And this is really applicable as we are talking about church planting Sunday. And so we see that this book of Philippians was written by this guy who would become known as this famous apostle. His name was Saul. and, And on his way to Damascus, Jesus woke him up and converted him. And he became this guy who was persecuting, from persecuting Christians and hating Christians. Um, to the, he was this Jewish uh, zealot, this Pharisee of Pharisees, he'll say, we'll learn about that soon, that he then converts and becomes this, this apostle to the Gentiles, meaning this apostle to the nations. And he wants to, to, he's compelled to go out and share the true gospel. And so Paul's letter to the churches in Philippi then provide this wonderful example of gospel partnership. In the church or within the church. Remember, the Philippians had shared in Paul's proclamation or preaching of the gospel. They sympathized with all of his suffering and pain. They had suffering and pain themselves. They learned how to give sacrificially, not just their money, but their all of themselves. They said, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain is what they learned from Paul. And so all of that, they learned to support the cause of Christ. They learned to work together to be this distinct, different people that were on display in their city and they prayed for Paul and this advancement or this, the same idea, this progress of the gospel as an overflow of love born in them. It was just who they were. And so in the book of Philippians, again, we have the, this apostle Paul at the end of his life struggling in a Roman jail, feeling all this uh, uh, temptation probably to quit, to, to, to not want to proclaim the gospel. But Paul reminds us because Paul, was preaching the gospel to himself and he wanted us and he wanted the Philippian church specifically to live lives worthy of the gospel in unity as gospel partners and so that's what he was telling them and so again Philippians 2 19 through 24 builds on that idea and it clearly teaches that the church today can have true hope in Jesus. So we're gonna sing a song called Living Hope. So that's that's a kind of a sub theme in our text today, this idea of hope in Christ. And so again, the church today can have true hope in Jesus and be encouraged to learn from Timothy's life of gospel service, which shows us that true gospel partnership then produces gospel service. And so said again shortly, today we can learn that true gospel partnership produces true gospel service. And so let's read our text together, if you guys would join with me in Philippians 2, 19 through 24. Again, Philippians 2, 19 through 24. We have just been learning about being lights in the world, like we just sang a few minutes ago, to be salt and light. Jesus said that. Paul says that. And so if that is true, then he gives us an example of a young man that was doing that. Look at verses 19. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ to send send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And so, again, uh, as we walk through this text, we will see in Philippians 2.19-24 that it clearly teaches and it encourage us, encourages us that the church today can have this true hope in Jesus and be encouraged to learn from Timothy's life of gospel service which shows us that true gospel partnership produces true gospel service. And so let's look at verse 19 more closely together as it says. Paul says, I hope, and sometimes we can just skim past that hope, but he's saying, man, I hope. We'll talk about that in a second, but but he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Why? Why? So that I too may be cheered or encouraged by a news of you. So that I can actually be happy and joyful. Not just a a flippant happiness, but a true joy from his his young disciple that he invested so much in is now serving the church. And so we're going to see that gospel partnership. Firstly, we're going to see this gospel partnership gives true hope in Jesus. Like gospel partnership actually gives you hope. The fact that you start to live life together with each other will actually give you hope to to love God more, to do what he's told us to do. And so Paul again has had this bond with this young man, Timothy, which is the perfect example of what gospel partnership looked like. That's what he's doing. He's like, he's saying all the stuff and he's giving us an actual example. We see that Paul and Timothy loved each other as father and son. And that they would, you can get the sense that they would do anything for each other. And they weren't related by blood. But the years they had spent ministering together as gospel partners bonded them. in that joint partnership with this deep, intimate, again, gospel joint partnership that they had. And y'all, this gospel partnership, again, gave them true hope in Jesus. And again, hope is not just mere wishful thinking like, I hope the Cowboys win. That doesn't happen, right? Or uh, yesterday my Mavericks lost. So I hope the Mavericks win. I think they play Monday, right? I'm a big basketball guy. I hope that they win. It's not that like this, it, like, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do. It's not this kind of wishful thinking kind of hope. That kind of hope is not biblical. But biblical hope is knowing the gospel story and knowing how God is our living hope. Again, we're gonna sing that later. And again, to have Hope biblically means to have expectation, trust, and confidence in God. And so this, that is what Christian hope is. That again, Christ is our hope. That Christ is our expectation. And he is our trust. And he is our confidence and nothing else. And so again, this relationship of partnership that Paul and Timothy had together as brothers gave them this true hope in Jesus. And so we've talked some about Paul, but let's talk a little bit. More about our, our main man Timothy and read some scriptures about him. So I'm going to read some stuff about him um, in some other sections of scripture just to paint a picture. So Timothy is a co-author, remember, with Paul of Philippians. Remember how Philippians starts? Paul and Timothy, servants or slaves of Christ Jesus. And they're writing to all the saints, so all the, in Philippi, this is the first few verses, the first verse, to, to the overseers or to the, the elders, the pastors, and to the deacons, the ministers. And so Again, Timothy's this co-author with Paul, and he was this young man that Paul had encouraged and Paul had discipled to become a man who would become a church planter. And so what is a church planter? A church planter is a, a missionary pastor. There are some people who go to the mission field that do more pioneering work, and that's great. Um, but, uh, but there are also those, and I feel this is my call here in Irving. I have a missionary uh, a missionary heartbeat. I always wanted to go to the nations, but I also have this pastoral impulse. So that's kind of when those start to beat together. It used to beat inconsistently for me, and this one was missionary was beating a little harder, and then the church planter or the pastor one was beating. But once those start to be together is when you start to discern, I think I may be a church planter. And so that's, that's kind of what Paul, he's just, I mean, Timothy was living life with Paul, and I think eventually he got to that point. But Paul knew that he had to invest, invest, in this young, invest in young men, specifically to make disciples who would become church planting elders. Paul had this specific call, not just, and that's my call too, is to develop guys and people in our church, men who will become elders and maybe one day church planters. And so Paul gave years of his life discipling Timothy, one guy. He, he, and he, he discipled others, but he really, really discipled this one guy. And so now, not all of us are called to be elders and pastors, but we are called to be disciples, right? And to make disciples, meaning we disciple others. And so listen to what Paul tells Timothy in his letter um, about the pattern of making disciples. And this is, yes, Paul uh, talking about um, developing pastors, but I think it could be helpful for us too. So if you want 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, you can join with me or listen with me, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. Paul says, you then my child. He loves him like his child. Be strengthened. You see in this pattern in the Bible, especially in church planning and Acts, that um, the churches need to be strengthened and established. And then Paul is saying now, you be strengthened. Young man who's going to be a leader in the church. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me, Paul, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then he says, don't forget, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Suffering and conflict is, ine- is inevitable as we make disciples. So in this section, in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, we see four generations of, of disciples and discipleship that Paul wants Timothy to see. And so the pattern is Paul to Timothy, so that's two, right, to then the faithful or these believing men That's three, who then are able to teach others also. We see four generations right there. And he's not saying stop there, right? He's just making a point that this is the biblical pattern. And so, um, again, you see, this is the pattern of multiplication. And we, too, can model this pattern of disciple-making multiplication. Like Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Like the apostles did. Like what the early church did. And like what the church has continued historically Uh, to do generation after generation it's what we are to do multiply disciples make disciples and so the the, the disciples are then what harvested or grown in the church a lot of times you think i can be lone ranger christian i don't need to go to church i don't need a people that's pride if you are a disciple you are disobedient if you're not living life with a people that's what god has called us to do and because what happens, we're gonna sing at the end of our service, our little benediction, bring your harvest, Lord, right? Because he saves people, he, and then he brings a harvest of people. And that's what we're doing in the church. We're, we're actually, we should be multiplying and planting churches. that will then bring other people into the harvest. That's what the church is. What is a harvest? It's where you prepare, right? To grow and to be ready, to then be sent out again or be used again like a seed would be. I'm not a farmer, so if I messed any of that up, uh, y'all tell me. It has something to do with that, okay? Um, but, but that's the point. The, the Disciples are harvested or grown in the church, sanctified, which is, again, that basic mean. What does church mean? It's this basic idea of gathering or uh, this assembly. That's what that means. That must be strengthened and established, which are the words, again, that are repeated over and over again in Acts in regards to church growth. And so at Redeemer, we want to become strengthened and established ourselves, literally built up, and then to have our household order and plan. This weird thing that it says in Ephesians when talking about church planning. It says this is what you're supposed to do, not to just be a crazy church that's unordered. No, Paul says in Ephesians that that the church would establish this household order. This weird word in Greek that's one word means household order, or it means this household plan, or this household administration. You know administration is a spiritual gift? Nobody talks about that one because it's not exciting. But that is a spiritual gift. The same thing with speaking in tongues or the same thing um, with um, uh, hospitality is also a spiritual gift. Administration, there are people that come in and can, can really put the church in order. Why? Order is good. God is not a God of confusion or chaos. He brings order. And that's what's happening in church planting. You're making something from nothing by God's grace that it would become something orderly that will then bless people, the nations. And so, Again, church. remember, church is not a building, but a people, a group of gospel partners growing as disciples together. And, and, and again, people start and help and establish churches, and that's what Timothy did with Paul. So this young man named Timothy is mentioned, and we have talked about him some, but let's get a little more and just hear a little bit of his story. So just listen to this if you want. It's in Acts 16, 1 through 5. You can turn there if you want. Acts 16, one through five, where we see Timothy joins Paul and Silas, who was another uh, church planting dude, Silas. It says, Paul came to Derby and to Lystra and a disciple was there named Timothy. Timothy's from Lystra, we learn from this. The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father, Timothy's, was a Greek. It means he was a Gentile. So he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him, and this is crazy, he circumcised him because of the Jews. It says why, because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way, and remember, Timothy was, was half, so um, I'll explain a little bit of that in a second. But as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered them for observance to decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. That's what was happening. So you see here, Timothy was regarded as this faithful young man, and he joined Paul in strengthening and establishing churches. So let's also look and listen to this beautiful gospel partnership language that Paul uses to encourage Timothy. Again, uh, Timothy was was half Jewish and half Greek, and so to honor the Jewish people, he allowed himself to be circumcised. That's a big deal. That's really being self-sacrificial. And so let's look at more of this beautiful gospel partnership language that Paul uses to encourage Timothy in. So 2 Timothy uh, uh, 1, 1 through 8, it says. There's a little bit of text here, but just hang in with me and kind of listen to it. Uh, let it. Let it sink in. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, he's writing this letter to Timothy. He's trying to encourage him. This is, the, again, 2 Timothy. By the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, listen to what he says, my beloved child. He loves that man grace and mercy and peace from god the father in christ jesus our lord i thank god whom i serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as i remember you constantly in my prayers night and day man he loves this guy night and day praying for him he says as i remember your tears suffering and conflict i long to see you that i may be filled with joy I am reminded of your, this is, this is awesome, your sincere faith, a faith or a belief, same word in the Greek, a belief that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. Grandmothers, if you don't think you have a role to play, this is so awesome, right? Timothy became, makes me want to cry, he became a gospel man because his grandmother knew the gospel and she invested in him. You think grandmother knew all this theology? No. But she pointed him to Christ. she That's what it means to make a disciple. She gave him what she had. And then look, so did his mama. He says, and your mother Eunice, man, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Well, because of mama, not because of dad. And dad is important. I'm a dad. I think it's super important, but because of mama and grandmama, Timothy became this gospel man. That's so awesome. I'm sure his dad maybe was a good guy, but it, we see that he wasn't a believer. He says in verse 6, for this reason, I remind you, because Timothy w- w- was ashamed that we see in verse 8, he says, I remind you, young man, to fan this flame, the, into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, Paul says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed. That's where we kind of get that Timothy was probably struggled with being ashamed of the gospel. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. He's like, I know I'm in jail, but I'm, I'm still, I still believe in Jesus. He says, but share in suffering. There is again, for the gospel by, how? The power of God. So Paul knew Timothy as a son. This means he spent time with him. This mean he, means he asked him questions about his life. He knew his life story and he loved him deeply. I'm sure they could joke. They probably had to grow and like, you know how guys are, they're all super sarcastic and that usually is immaturity, right? It's okay to be sarcastic, but when we start attacking someone, that's where it becomes a problem. I'm sure they had to go through those growing pains of like, hey, man, you said that. That kind of got on my nerves, you know, or, 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 or I don't know what their relationship was really like, but I, there had to be tension if you live with someone. But in this culture too, there was an honor culture thing, and I assume Paul was maybe 10, 20 years older than Timothy, and he had this honor for this older man. Um, that's something that we don't do or understand much in our culture. We're rebellious. But, but there was this true uh, uh, brotherhood that was like a father and son relationship. Seems so sweet. And he says, again, we, see, we, we can see that Paul and Timothy had this, if, if someone had it, this true gospel partnership relationship, they had it. And so we hope that true gospel partnership, again, gives us true hope in Jesus. And this is what mutual care for one another was. It produced this true bond of gospel partnership that actually gave hope in Jesus. Let's look at verse 12. It says, look at how Paul kind of commends Timothy. He says, for I have no one like him, nobody. He, he's my man. For who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare? He, he can vouch for Timothy. He knows his character. He knows that he is going to care as that servant. He's going he's to serve. Literally, he, as a slave, he would come and serve the people. That's what Paul knew that his man, Timothy, would do. He said, for they, these other either false believers that he had mentioned earlier in the letter, or enemies, all seek their own interests. Remember earlier in the letter, we're supposed to seek the interest of others, not our own interests. Love your brother is what he's saying. He says, these people, for they all seek their own interests, in verse 21, not those of Jesus Christ. But Paul trusted timothy with his life and his ministry and true gospel partnership this genuine concern for others is again this true love of people and we see this concern for others interests actually benefits the the, the church mutually and, and now we're going to see that gospel partnership strengthens our gospel service in our relationships with our own church church meaning our own people not a building. And so, um, and, and I mean, specifically, we see this with Timothy and Paul, but uh, uh, specifically, uh, Timothy was, was, Paul was obviously concerned for the church, but he commends and talks about Timothy's concern for the church's welfare here. This concern, again, is how we love our brother. If we have loved God, we will love people with this deep concerning Uh, And now this deep concerning is not being nosy or trying to get information or gossip or judgy. It's not what it's saying. But it's living life with people. It's rubbing shoulders with people. It's this deep godly concern that carries burdens with people. A deep godly concern that builds relationships with others and gets to know their story and isn't concerned so much about your story, which is good too. You want to share your story with people too. You don't want to hide who you are We wanna share our story, but we also wanna hear their story. And that's what Paul did. This is love for a person so much that you would entrust them with your life. And guys, we can actually have these kinds of relationships. It's possible. And I see in you guys, God forming these deep gospel relationships every week here at Redeemer as we live life together. Super encouraging. And you keep going and you keep growing in that. And so be encouraged to keep building those relationships. That's how the church is actually built and strengthened and established. We start to see each other's spiritual gifts. Oh, you do that, I do that. Cool, you do that. And that's how we can come and strengthen and establish a church. What starts as a little mustard seed one day becomes a strong mustard tree. And so be encouraged again to keep doing that. Let's look at verse 22 and look at how Paul loves and trusts Timothy. In verse 22, he kind of brags about his man a little more. He says, but do you know Timothy's proven worth? Do you know it? He says, how as a son with a father, he has served, literally slaved with me in the gospel. That's strong language. And he says, remember how we started? he started? Now he says, I hope, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I, as I see uh, how it will go with me. So, so Paul sees the value of Timothy's gospel partnership in verses 22 and 23. With Paul and then with the church, with himself and then with the church. But Paul then again hopes, but not this wishful thinking kind of aimless hoping, but a biblical hope that means again, expectation, like you're expecting something awesome and trust and confidence. Look at verse 23 and 24 now with me in context. Paul says, I hope therefore to send him, Timothy, just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So Paul has what? Expectation, trust, and confidence in the living hope. Jesus, whether he dies in prison, he doesn't want to, he wants to make it out alive, right? (laughs) And he's kind of expecting that. Or whether he makes it out alive, Paul hopes, meaning that he trusts God and knows confidently that Timothy's gospel service will powerfully impact the Philippian church. And y'all, just like Paul and Timothy, we can learn that we can have hope in Jesus and be encouraged to learn from Timothy's life of gospel service, which shows us that true gospel partnership produces true gospel service. So now we see that gospel partnership produces gospel service in the church. And so, um, we we must continue again to have these relationships of true gospel partnership, like that, like the one that Paul had with Timothy, and 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 had with the Philippians church, and and, and I'm praying for that that we continue in that here at Redeemer, guys. We we must do this. Like we must. There's no other uh, thing that we must do more than this. And, and y'all, our, our hope is in Christ, and we can hope. Meaning again, have that that trust and and confidence and expectation that God is building these partnership relationships amongst us now, and that he will continue to do that in the future. Like what an awesome, exciting journey to be on with each other. And so for me as the lead pastor, now my role is to make disciples, but I hope like Paul to also make the specific kind of disciples that become elders and deacons of Redeemer Church. And so please pray for me in this and, and for the guys that lead me. Uh, I have guys around me from our other sending churches. And I pray that many of you here in the room one day will serve as deacons. Um, and, and, and some of you uh, brothers one day will serve with me as elders. I, I, I see the Lord doing that as well. Many of you are already serving in, in, in some of the ways here uh, without a title. And that's, that's, what, we, that's, what, that's what it takes So let's hope in Christ for that kind of unity and and, and, um, church that will actually multiply leaders in our church. Let's also pray for the church body to make disciples of each other and of others around us in our community. So we make disciples of each other to become so encouraged, but then there's this impulse to, to then make disciples of those around us. It's evangelism and discipleship. Those words are not in the Bible necessarily. The, what's in the Bible is this idea to make disciples. Those ideas are in the Bible, okay, don't get me wrong. But where they come together is this make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. You're making learners. You're preaching the gospel. And if the person doesn't know Jesus, you preach the same gospel, maybe with a little nuance to help them see. And then if you're walking with someone, you still preach the gospel to a mature believer. You help them see the same gospel. You're pointing them to Jesus. And the gospel, again, is big enough for an elephant to drown, so it's deep. But it's, it's shallow enough for a little baby to walk. Right? Jesus says, let the little children come to me. And so, guys, my encouragement is that, that remember that the church is, many, uh, is a body, meaning that we are made of, of many parts. And so what is your part or your role in the body? What is your part or role in the church today? Not everyone can be arms or legs or fingers, right? We can't be the same body part. Some of us will be. Not, not everyone can be a pastor or deacon. We all have a significant role to play. Every single role of the body or every body part is equally noble. Hear me. It, it, just because I'm a pastor or this person's a deacon, we're the same. We just have different roles. We're like on a team. It, but but, we, but we're equally noble. No no matter what the Lord has called you to, you not remember the words of Timothy's grandmother and his mother. Man, that's what it means. That's what a body working together does. Is is, is then a, a, a full body allows us to actually make disciples in a full, complete way. And no matter what part you play, we all again have equal, we're all equally noble in service to God. We all have a part to play. So let's seek Christ let's love him and love each other deeply in true gospel partnership and then we will serve the body of Christ the way we're supposed to if we love God we will love people and the people we are really to love firstly as Philippians has taught us and as Galatians taught us is each other as a church loving each other sometimes we want to go do the great commission and we haven't done the great commandment right (laughs) love God and love our brother the brother signifies proximity once you have that proximity and that starts to build, then the compulsion is to go out. But a lot of times we want to go out and we don't want to commit or grow to each other because that's harder. It's easier to go to another country sometimes. I mean, for me it is. I can go and talk to people, but then it's the person that lives next, next door. He's like, I talked to him last week. I you talk to him again. You know, th- th- those kind of things are hard, right? If we're honest, it's easy to be a missionary in some faraway country. It's really hard to do it at home. And so that is to encourage us. So let's love each other and let's love God and his story. We must love God's gospel story, meaning his good news story. That's what compels us to want to make disciples, compels us to live lives as true gospel partners who live lives that produce true gospel service. So is your gospel partnership and your gospel service rooted in the gospel? This beautiful story that... that, that Of our creator God who created and breathed and brought everything into life. We saw the Father, we see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were there at the beginning. And they made everything good and made humanity, us, in in their image. And then our one God allowed the the, the fall to come into place, which is our sin, humanity's sin. Starting with our father, uh, 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 Adam, which means human or man. It started with him, this sin which was against God, which, which allowed sin and death to enter the world, which did not catch by God by surprise. He wrote the story. He's the one writing this beautiful story to make us see him. Just like any good story that we watch, there's always a villain. There's always tension, right? And that's what the story that God has written. That, but That humanity's sin against God allowed sin and death to enter the world, which also caused this big chasm or this space, this big hole between us and God that demands a sacrifice's redemption, which would be Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. And God wanted us to see our sin and brokenness and need for a Savior who is this Messiah, this one to come to redeem us, which leads us to Jesus as our redemption, the one who is redeeming us, who became that, asa- that sacrifice that appeased the wrath or the anger of God in his death that we celebrated and remembered last week so that us is his creation, namely us as his elect, his chosen, his children, his baby, that same language Paul would use. God sees us as sons and daughters. If you know him, you are his son and daughter. He loves you just like a good father loves his children. And this Jesus, then because of his death and his ascension, I mean his resurrection and his ascension, then redeemed us or delivered us. He saved us. By his atonement, meaning his covering for um, uh, humanity's sins, in in his again in his death, burial, and resurrection, and his ascension. Now we have this hope. And our response in redemption is to repent and believe. Literally repentance means this changing of the mind. And it has this idea in Greek to turn. So this changing of the mind which then turns from the things of our three enemies, Satan, the world, and your own flesh. That we would turn from those things and turn to Christ in gospel belief. That's what we're called to do. And that we would turn again from, another our way of seeing is that turning from Satan's kingdom as our mind is changed and turning to Christ's kingdom. And in that, the end of the story. We can't forget that there is actually creation, fall, redemption, and then new creation, this restoration that God brings, which is our hope that we would have resurrected bodies. Yes, Christ was resurrected. And our hope as believers too, because he was resurrected, we will be resurrected at the end. We will have new bodies. And there will be no more pain and no more tears and no more suffering. And God has promised to renew the whole world. And make all things new in us, his children, and to bring about a glorious future. But he will return as judge. It's called the day of the Lord. And he will purge sin and evil. We don't have to do that. He will bring vengeance. And he will purge this world of evil once and for all. And us as children will look up and I think we'll just be in awe. And we'll see his glory fully as we will be fully glorified. We'll get to see this king eternally as he ushers in righteousness and peace. So, guys, if we know that story and we love that story and we're compelled to live our lives because of this true gospel partnership, which produces gospel service. If we know, again, that the true gospel, if we know this true gospel, we will, we will actually have true gospel partnership. Hear that again. If we know this true gospel story, it will move us, compel us to have true gospel partnership with each other that will produce true gospel service. Don't invert that. Don't think we have to go do, 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 and, 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 and then um, something will happen. The Bible says the opposite. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these things will be added unto you. But as young people, honestly, a lot of times um, people living their lives, we want to add those things unto us. And sometimes you can spend your whole life adding things unto you. And Jesus said, you you missed it. Love me. Seek first my kingdom. And I will add those things. And they may not be all the things you want, but they will be things that line up with my will, as John says. John says, pray according to my will, and I will give you desires of your heart. It says that in Psalms, it says that in, in 1 John, that if we pray according to God's will, but that's what it means to love God, is that we will align our hearts with the will of God that we would proclaim for me to live as Christ and to die as gain and not feel weird saying that, but really mean it. God can get us there by his power to make us believe that. And this is what it means to be loving God and loving people and making disciples of all nations for God's glory. And so we see that Paul and Timothy's gospel partnership didn't just affect the Philippian church, but This life of partnership and disciple-making produced gospel service that impacted many other churches as they multiplied. And so we can see from our text that Paul was on the verge of, of possibly dying. But he knew that his investment in Timothy would produce fruit in Philippi. And I suspect that Paul, who had planted and ministered to so many churches, knew that his gospel partnership with Timothy and the Philippian church would produce a legacy of disciples that would partner and produce service to the ends of the earth. That's the beauty of church planting. That Paul, through Christ, was building a legacy. And y'all, we here too at Redeemer are building a gospel legacy through Christ. That's what I pray. It's not about us or me or our church. or No, but it's about this legacy that would outlive us in 100 years. This church will probably die, as most churches do. But we must know that gospel partnership produces gospel service in other churches as we multiply. And so by God's grace, I see us doing it here at Redeemer. We're doing it as we make disciples and partner together here in DFW and at Irving. Y'all listen to this. Y'all have given significant money and time and other resources and invested in a good number of church planners here in DFW and Irving and the U.S. And here in the near future, we hope to have other church planners like Timothy come and invest in us as they will preach and teach us under the the authority of the elders um, of our church and our sending churches. We have given and supported church planters in Austin, Dallas, and all over West Texas. Towns, y'all, we probably don't even know what they are. But but y'all have done that. Y'all have also, y'all, right, country, we're country. Y'all have also uh, been part of the Redeemer Network of churches, which started as a group of guys from our grandmother church, Redeemer Lubbock. Makes me want to cry. I'm going to (laughs) stop. Sorry, I'm emotional today. I love church planting. It gets me, okay? That led to over 20 church plants, including our church plant today. We're not just doing this alone. We're part of a family. And, and, and we have given significantly to support the Redeemer Network to keep church planting in America going. Do y'all realize that we live in a mission field here in the U.S., specifically in Irving. Churches are dying here. Irving is one of the most ethnically diverse cities in the U.S., And guys, we are in a mission. If people send missionaries here, Koreans, Brazilians, the Latin America are sending people here because when you live somewhere, you don't think you're a mission field. You're like, we're good. No, we're not. We're not good. I mean, look at the size of our church. I think that shows too that that there is a harvest here and there are many people in bed right now not knowing what it means to be one who rolls together and live life together with other people. And that's okay. That's the role God has called us to play. Irving is different than the rest of DFW. We are in a setting that is more similar to New York or to Portland. Know that. And that's okay. It's going to take time for us to build. But what starts as a mustard seed will grow and expand, I believe, by God's grace. And it's worth it to stick it out and do it here in, in, in Irving. Because God, again, has brought us to one of the most ethnically diverse cities in the whole U.S. And so, just like human lives end, churches can die too. That's sad, but it happens. And that's why we need new gospel outposts. That's what a church is called. That's what, again, these gatherings of people who are gospel partners. We need more outposts here in the U.S. And the church is God's vehicle to impact the nations with hearing the gospel of Christ. So that Redeemer, that, that we want to be about church planning. And guys, I know if we invest here, it's not just for an investment here in the U.S. That it will impact the nations. And I, again, I think that we can forget as Americans that we are a people that is a nation that needs the gospel desperately. But also in addition to our partnering here at Redeemer in Irving, as God God is building his church here at at Redeemer, God has used us to plant churches and impact church planting movements globally. We have given significantly to Acts 29, which is a global church planting network and and, uh, national too, um, that we're a part of. You have blessed and helped people in other countries you will never see. You're being part of building a legacy you will never know. We have invested in missionaries doing pioneering church planting work to build a foundation for church planting. We've done it in Spain, in the Middle East. We have helped support one of only three uh, churches in all of Germany, which is the most populous and most thriving economy in Western Europe. It's where a lot of our uh, Reformation doctrine came from. Those churches have now died. They need to be reanimated. Just like what's happening here now, our churches are dying. We need to be reanimated in the gospel. Uh, guys, again, my, my friends in Germany, I hope you get to know them. Um, and they hope to visit here someday. They're planning in one of the hardest places in the world, and it's in the little town I was born in Germany. Out of three Acts 29 churches, by God's sovereignty, there was one in the town I was born in. So I was looking on the website one day, saw it on there, sent them an email. We've become buds. The Lord's doing something. We've also invested in Colombia. Same thing. Looked on the internet, praying one Sunday, uh, uh, connected to uh, what's going on in Colombia through one of our partners, uh, Brian Parham, who's actually in Colombia right now, preaching the gospel to Colombians um, because of his organization that he's founded called uh, UPEEC. Which again is is um, their main thing, and I believe this too deeply that the gateway to reaching Central and South America is with the gospel through, uh, it, it, with the gospel is through Colombia. It's where Latin America, technically, uh, after the Caribbean, it's where Latin America started. And most history books tell us that Latin America, it's already happening in Brazil. I think it's ripe to happen in Colombia. Um, Colombia has the, the, the coast, which is very Caribbean, and then the rest is very uh, uh, South American. And so it's ripe to happen in Colombia. One day we want to have a Spanish service, English and Spanish service. We want to be a church of two languages. That happens again as a little mustard seed, and then, then it grows. And so that is our, our hope. And so again, this statement is true, again, that the gateway to reaching Central and South America, I believe with the gospel is Colombia. All history and theological books point to Colombia and then Africa being, the next two waves of Christianity and that we're going to be sending missionaries back to Europe and back to all Asia and the rest of the world. And so I I think that's what I feel my run is to do that from Irving to catalyze a church that would catalyze the nations because you know they call DFW the Jerusalem of Christianity. We got every brand of Christianity here. We are in an Antioch. If you don't know what Antioch is, Church Planning Sunday, it's where Paul and, and Barnabas were sent out and all these guys from all these different nations were sent out from this one church. And I believe that's what the gift that God has given us to steward here in, in Irving and in DFW. And so, again, UPEC is this church that's expanding the gospel uh, through helping already existing churches to plant churches. And we have been a part of planting uh, two churches through UPEC. That's who Brian is preaching to now. One's called Redeemer in Spanish, and the other is called Temple of God. And so we're working with those guys. We have a residency with like a a Timothy kind of thing with these guys. We're developing them through also our partnership with Acts 29 Columbia. When I went there about a year ago, um me and Brian that's where I met Andrea and and you peek and we came together we had a little lord of the lord of the rings type meeting and planned what could be that we could from our little church build something that would catalyze Colombia so there was 5 Acts 29 churches in Colombia now there is 6 and another one coming from Venezuela I used to live there as a kid I love Venezuela and, and the lord's starting to do something guys they have a seminary at Rescue Mission Church which is one of the leading churches in Colombia Acts 29 church um that have only been part of Acts 29 for three years. I'll share the story later if you want in more detail. Uh, the, the point is that they have a seminary with over 400 people in person and uh, one that reaches 1,200 people. They're reaching people in Cuba, in Spain, uh, through this seminary online. They have a, a, a YouTube video. They told me it's ghetto, so I'm gonna say, it's a ghetto YouTube video with a guy just teaching. It has one million views. They're really reaching people, and we're a part of that. So be encouraged by that, by what you guys are doing Again, our gospel partnership is producing gospel service here in Irving, in the U.S., and globally. And so be encouraged in Christ and what he is doing. Don't look past what he has done through us as a church plant that is barely a year old. God is doing it. He's doing something. And we are partnering in the gospel together. We're loving God, loving people, and making disciples of all nations for God's glory. And so remember, we learned today that the church... Uh, today can have this true hope. We're about to sing this in Jesus and be encouraged to learn from Timothy's life of gospel service, which shows us that true gospel partnership produces true gospel service. Again, said shortly, we learned today that true gospel partnership produces this true gospel service. So let's pray now to live lives that produce, uh, that, 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 that understand the true gospel and that produce true gospel service. Dear Lord, we thank you. We love you. Lord, you are good. Lord, allow us now just to come and worship you, Lord, as we respond in this true gospel partnership. And pray, Lord, that it produces this true gospel service. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.